Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horniman, AKA the Thyroid Fixer. Also functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. We are talking all things progesterone today, and we're going into more than just the surface benefits of the ones you know, the anti-anxiety, the help with sleep. Here's one though. Did you know that progesterone helps you convert T4 to T3? Did you know that it has an immune protective effect in that it reduces those Hashimoto's autoimmune flares? Did you know that having low progesterone is in and of itself a cause of weight gain. So today you're going to hear from my very special guest, Suzanne Elkind, and we are going to deep dive into all things progesterone. I have been wanting to do a progesterone episode forever. So I've been trying to get this woman on forever. And finally, finally, we are connecting. This is going to be, I already told her, this is probably going to be one of the most downloaded episodes that there is because all women want to learn about their hormones, we have not done a deep dive yet into progesterone and progesterone just has so many benefits. You know, when I'm talking about progesterone, I go on the surface benefits, the ones that we all hear of the better sleep, the reduction in anxiety, but we're going to go so much deeper today and get into how progesterone can help your thyroid, how it can help convert T4 to T3, how it can protect your bones. I mean, all the different benefits associated with progesterone. So my guest today is actually one of my prescribers, Suzanne Elkin, and we've been working together for quite some time. Suzanne, did I say your last name right? I've only known you for like three years, but did I say your last name right? It's okay. It's Elkind. Elkind. Like, really nice. You are really nice. You are. No, I love you to death. I mean, we've been, yeah, we've been working together professionally for years and then I guess like professionally, personally, Suzanne has been helping me do rhythmic dosing of hormones. So we've been doing that since last March, which we will also talk about today. So hold on to your hats for that one. And Suzanne, I've been wanting you on for so long and you're, you're kind of a, a master of hormones. So thank you for sharing your time today. Oh, well, it's my pleasure, Amy. First of all, what got you into, because you're a nurse practitioner, what shifted you into dealing with hormones and really specializing in, in treating women with hormonal issues? Well, that's an interesting story. So I'm actually a nurse midwife, which is similar to a nurse practitioner. So for many years I was, you know, I studied and I caught babies and did preconception counseling and saw women during their pregnancies. And Afterwards, when women had had their babies, they'd come back to me with all sorts of problems. Their hair would be falling out, they'd be tired, their thyroid would be off, and they were just miserable. They had this newborn child and they didn't have the energy. And that's pretty typical of the first three months, but it would continue for a while. And so what ended up happening was they all started coming to me. And I'd had this long standing interest in what's going on hormonally. And I'd kind of always wanted to do like homeopathy or something like that. 
And so I just started to get really interested in it. And I started to see all these women and they always end up with me. And I didn't, it's not like it was planned. It was almost like fate brought these women my way. And then I started reading Lara Bryden's books. And then I started helping people and then people started to come and see me. And that's really what started me down this path. And then I was starting to have problems myself. So I was starting to not sleep. I was gaining weight. I was bleeding really heavily. I was exhausted. I was grumpy. I had children at home. They were wondering, you know, well, they didn't really know me that well yet, but they were hoping for a happy mommy, but I wasn't so happy. And so then I started looking into treating myself and that's how I ended up going on rhythmic hormone dosing myself and finding great relief. So that's my story. Nice. And yeah, save the, save the rhythmic dosing for the end. Cause we got to leave yeah. people hanging here. So, all right. So let's start with progesterone then. Where is it? What is it? And where is it made? Progesterone is one of our steroid hormones and steroid hormones are made from our sex organs and our adrenals. And it's made mostly, it's made from our cholesterol and so progesterone for women who are cycling mostly comes from your corpus luteum, which is in your ovary. So the whole process of um, making progesterone is part of your cycle. So when you start your cycle, day one is the beginning of your cycle, you end up you know, making follicular stimulating hormone comes from your pituitary, and then you start making estrogen. Then estrogen peaks and the luteinizing hormone then peaks and you pop out an egg. And what's left behind is your corpus luteum. And your corpus luteum is a temporary endocrine gland. And that's what makes the progesterone. So generally on day 21 is when your progesterone level peaks. And then it goes down if there's no pregnancy. And what progesterone does is that it, it impacts the endometrial lining so that it can implant a baby. So it's all about, you know, our whole life is about birth and death, really. And so the endometrium gets thicker under the influence of estrogen, but with progesterone, it gets, it opposes the estrogen influence. So it stops the growth of the endometrial lining and then also creates protein so that there's an implantation of the embryo that it can feed that embryo and grow it over time. So if there's no ovule, if there's no pregnancy, if, you know, there's no implantation, then the progesterone starts to wane and then it goes away and then you get your period bleed. That's what progesterone is. And then after you get into menopause, you make your, well, if you don't do hormone replacement therapy, you make your progesterone from your adrenal glands. So very, very small amount. Let's take the listener through when progesterone starts to decline because progesterone can actually start to decline earlier than perimenopause, right? It usually starts to decline right around perimenopause, which is about 10 years before you reach menopause. So if you have a decrease in progesterone before then, it's usually because of something else, either nutrition or your thyroid, which we're going to get into. Mm -hmm. So the steps of what happens with progesterone as women age is that the first thing that happens is that say like mean age of menopause is around 50. So around 40, you'll just start to make lower amounts of progesterone. And this is because you don't make as good of a corpus luteum. And so less progesterone is released. Mm -hmm. And that's the first phase. And women at this phase might start to notice they have, they're more stressed. They have more depression and anxiety, lower life satisfaction. And unfortunately, this is when a lot of women are, you know, they have little kids and they're at the height of their career and their hormones are starting to go a little wacky at this point. And it's very hard to manage if you've got lots of stress at this point in your life. Mm -hmm. Well, the next thing that happens is that your estrogen kind of goes haywire. So you'll have one month where I'll be really high and then the next month really low. All the time, your progesterone is always lower during this phase. And then that happens for a little bit of time. And then probably about a year before you go into menopause, you start getting lower estrogen and no progesterone. And this is when you start getting the hot flashes, you start gaining weight, and you can be a little bit more depressed at this point in time mm -hmm. with lower estrogen becomes comes insulin resistance, which, of course, to your viewers, this is uh, of important. You talk about insulin resistance a lot with a lot of your clients. And this happens with lower levels of estrogen because estrogen is anti-inflammatory. And so when you have less estrogen, you become more inflamed. 
So those are really the steps. It doesn't sound very nice, does it? No, it <laughs> sucks. <laughs> it sucks. And I don't think that people realize how important progesterone is. I mean, that's really why I wanted to focus on it today because, and, and, and I am guilty of this. Yes, I focus on the thyroid. I focus on testosterone. You know, you always hear about estrogen tied to menopause and that's where you get the hot flashes and the weight gain and the dry vagina. But progesterone, I feel like it's like the little sister that gets left behind. Like we don't give her enough love and it's so important. Yeah, it's really important on so many so many different levels. And, you know, you and I have experienced this with your patients and, you know, I see your patients, you see mine, whatever, but together we notice, like, for example, you have somebody who's not sleeping and they're just, they're like, ah, I just can't deal. I have brain fog. I can't make any decisions. I have mood swings and we'll give them some progesterone. Usually we do oral progesterone and they are like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better, Mm -hmm. you know? Thyroid is a big player too, which we're going to get into, I know, but progesterone really makes a difference for women. And if you don't sleep and you're stressed, you are just, it's, it's awful. And then, you know, if you have anything going on besides that, like any other sort of health condition that's coming up at this point in time, it all gets amplified and worse at this point. In fact, you know, autoimmune conditions can start to rear their heads during this period of time too, because loss of progesterone, progesterone is immune modulating. So once you start to lose progesterone, your body can get kind of out of whack with its own immune system. And then that's where you get some, probably get more Hashimoto's during perimenopause than any other time, because the body then creates its own antibodies against the thyroid. So, you know, that's another thing that happens too. So there's people out there, they have these books and they say, you know, just take it easy, make sure you rest, eat really well, don't be stressed. But I don't know many women who are in their 40s that aren't stressed. I mean, unless they're, I don't know, maybe they're living in a convent or something and not doing anything. I don't know. I mean, except praying, which is very relaxing. (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's just awful. And the way that our society has evolved too, is that women have had their kids later. And so their kids are young. So, you know, you're 47 years old. And like, for me, I, um, full disclosure, I had my last kid at 41. So at 48, I have a seven-year-old mm-hmm. and I was at the height of my career trying to, I was being a midwife then, and I wasn't sleeping and I was working really hard and it's really, really challenging to manage yourself. And then you hear people telling you, you go to the doctor, oh, just get more rest. But that's just what women do. I mean, we as women, there's a culture around us taking care of everybody and we don't take care of ourselves. So it's, it's very challenging. And thank you for bringing that up. And and really, I mean, even saying it in the way that you just said it, because yeah, let's just be honest. Whenever we hear those, those words of wisdom, I guess, so to speak of, you just have to meditate and just take it easy. And and listen, I mean, meditation is great. Chilling out, hot yoga, de-stressing, all of those things that we're doing to lower our body stress response is fantastic. But sometimes you can't meditate your way out of low hormone function. It's not going to work. You have to actually do something. And just to speak on your point about the Hashimoto's, I've always said, and, and this is the exact tie-in now, when do we see Hashimoto's rear its ugly head? When does that autoimmune switch flip into the on position? Pregnancy, perimenopause, menopause, puberty, all these hormonal changes where, just like you said, your progesterone drops. And then here we go. Yep, that's so true. I agree with that. So what are the symptoms? What are all the Fun. You said some of them, but let's expand on more. What are all the symptoms of low progesterone, or at least like a, a pretty as thorough list as you can think up in two seconds? I would say anxiety, which is huge, <laughs> depression, low energy, heavy bleeding, which is like a whole thing in and of itself. Because then, when you bleed really heavily, then you end up with low iron, and that creates a whole problem with your thyroid, as you know, among other problems insomnia, mood swings, um, osteoporosis too, because progesterone is very vital in bone for bone absorption for the bone and inflammation and also weight gain as well. So 
I mean, there's more. What else can I say? Those are kind of the ones, the ones that I hear of all the time when I've got somebody coming to me with their with their list of symptoms. Yeah, those um, are the big ones. Forgetfulness is another one too. So also just not remembering and um, also low libido is another one too. Okay, so that's interesting. We normally think about testosterone for libido. We think of estrogen and testosterone for brain. And again, that's where yeah, poor progesterone just gets left out in the cold. So when we treat progesterone, mm-hmm. we are we're helping our bodies on just such a multitude of levels. So yes, the way we look, the way we feel, the way we think internally, we're helping with really just all the diseases of aging that come on that it could be argued those diseases of aging, like you know, just increased type two diabetes, the osteoporosis, the Alzheimer's, the dementia, I mean, even cancers can be tied back to that drop in hormones. Now, I know we're specifically talking about progesterone today, but just the overall drop in hormones as we age, those hormones are literally protecting us from disease, not just helping us look and feel better. And most women start to worry about breast cancer and saying that, you know, when they're, if I start hormones, for example, I'm going to get breast cancer, which isn't true, but we can get into that at another point if you want. But when it comes to hormones in general, the the thing about the most important thing about having your hormones is it protects you against cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. That's way more prevalent in women than breast cancer. That's like the number one killer of women. So that's really, really important. And both estrogen and progesterone play a role in protecting your um, endothelial tissue of your vessels and progesterone increases nitric oxide. So, you know, that's really, really important. You don't really hear about people having heart attacks in their twenties and thirties and, um, you know, or breast cancer is very rare. So definitely when you start to lose your hormones, you don't look so good. You don't feel so good. And inside your body doesn't look so good either, although you can't see that part, but health wise, you start to feel you, you can start to see that you're going to get some cardiovascular disease as a result. That makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. And you know what, since you brought up the breast cancer component, I want to talk about that briefly because I think now, again, this discussion is way more tied to estrogen and women's fear around using estrogen. Oh my gosh, it's going to give me breast cancer, but let's talk about the progesterone aspect and its correlation with breast cancer, increased risk or decreased risk. Is, is there a fear? Is there any point of time or any situation where we would not use progesterone? Real, bioidentical, not synthetic, which we'll get into in a moment. It really isn't. You know, when you hear about all the fears around breast cancers and so forth, it's really about progestin, not progesterone. So progestin mm-hmm. is a synthetic kind of progesterone. And there was the Women's Hormone Initiative study in 2002, which scared everybody off of hormones. And that was based on Provera and Premarin, which are two synthetic forms of hormones. Mm -hmm. And they stopped the study because of this worry that people were getting breast cancer. And interestingly enough, so first of all, the study was done on mostly 60-year-old women, right? So that's a problem. A lot of them already had health problems. But what what they did find was in the Premarin group, which is horse urine, by the way, it's uh, equine conjugated. <laughs> I feel so bad. I, I I have this image of these poor horses peeing into a bag for us poor us women for this study. <laughs> Sorry, but those women in that one group who were, didn't get the progestin, they actually were protected, more protected on um, from breast cancer. And so the whole entire idea of progesterone causing breast cancer is really linked to progestin. And there's been some studies since then that show that there is a link between both cardiovascular disease and breast cancer with the use of progestin. So ladies, if you're getting hormone replacement therapy, make sure that you're getting bioidentical progesterone. And that is derived from either soybean or yam. And it's bioidentical to the progesterone that you yourself make. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so birth control is progestin. The Mirena that so many 30 and 40 year olds still have in them is 
progestin. It's the synthetic. Yeah, it, it is the synthetic. And, you know, if you have to have something with progestin, in, I would go with the Mirena IUD because it's such a small amount and it's localized rather than the pill. But it has, you know, different effects. Progestin can give you acne. It's more actually progestin has, has a chemical con- structure more similar to testosterone than progesterone, which is kind of interesting. It is interesting. So, yeah. Because they're handing out birth control like candy to literally any woman that says, I have a heavy cycle. I have acne. Maybe I, I spot during the month. Here you go. Here's some birth control. This will take care of it. And it's like, that's just exacerbating the problem. Yeah, well, it can. In some cases, if somebody's really heavily bleeding, it can be like a little bit of a lifeline to get them back on track. The Mirena, that is. Yeah. Generally, what I found with women who have a Mirena IUD and they need progesterone because the body is downregulating itself somehow. So the progestin somehow interferes with progesterone. I have somebody that I'm working with who's in her 30s who had terrible anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um I gave her progesterone, bioidentical oral progesterone, and that completely solved her problem. And she continued having the Mirena IUD, but it really balanced her out. So yeah, so the synthetic hormones can really do a number on you. But on the other hand, you have to worry about birth control because we don't want to have lots of unwanted babies running around too. So there's a balance of you know, what the best approach is. And for many, just using Mirena is a good choice because it doesn't completely suppress your cycle. Mm -hmm. You, I think that Lara Bryden, I think she says that her study was after about a year, you start to cycle because you can, you put the Mirena in for, I think it's six years now. So, I mean, it is important for women to have birth control, but I think that um, taking birth control pills can be very destructive for women in many ways because it also impacts B vitamin absorption and your gut microbiome as well. But I don't know. I think we're, I might be straying off your topic. <laughs> no, this is great. No, I love it all. I love it all. No, you're hundred percent because we, I mean, you know, we have a ton of people that a ton of patients that come in and they're on birth control. And I mean, really, it doesn't even matter what age, but yeah, I say the same thing. Listen, if you're using birth control for birth control, and you really feel like you can't do any other kind of method of birth control, then fine. But eventually you want to plan on going off of it and using the bioidentical hormones or stacking, like you just said, Suzanne, stacking the bioidentical hormones, stacking progesterone on top of your birth control method, just to kind of get that real progesterone in because birth control will push down your own progesterone. Yeah. I mean, I also have some women who are so worried about getting pregnant. They're using the Mirena IUD and they get hormone replacement therapy too. So they can have estradiol and progesterone with the Mirena. So they still feel that they're protected and they're getting a little bit of estradiol and progesterone in those perimenopausal years. And they just feel so much better. Yeah. So there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it, kids. Seriously. Okay, let's let's tie in the progesterone to thyroid function because I find this so interesting and I don't talk about it enough. What is that connection? All right, so we'll go that from a couple different angles. So if you are in your 20s and 30s and your thyroid isn't working well, so this is not perimenopausal thyroid, I mean progesterone. So if you're if you're not making adequate T3, you won't necessarily ovulate every month. I also see women in their 20s and 30s who are not cycling and they are having horrible periods, huge amounts of pain, lots of the symptoms of of that we talked about of people who don't have women who don't have enough progesterone. And the reason for it is because their thyroid isn't functioning well. Now, the thyroid as you know, Amy, there's ways to make the thyroid function well. A lot of it's nutrition. Some of it could be stomach acid related, but the, what the mechanism is, is if you don't have enough active T3 hormone, it downregulates your gonadotropin releasing hormone from your hypothalamus. Mm-hmm. And then that then reduces follicular stimulating hormone, which is what makes the follicles m- mature and makes estrogen, which then reduces the, or eliminates the luteinizing hormone. So you don't ovulate because your thyroid isn't working. And so that's one way that women have impacts on their progesterone from their thyroid not working properly. 
And then the other way is say you're in perimenopause. Now you're, you're coming from the imbalances now from the hormone, sex hormone side, not from the thyroid hormone. So there's the thyroid hormone dysfunction and what that does to the hormones. Now we're talking about what the hormones do to the thyroid. So if you've got too much estrogen in conjunction to progesterone, now a lot of people call that estrogen dominant. So what that does is that if there's an imbalance, your thyroid globulin increases. So binding up the thyroid. So therefore you don't have as much bioavailable to the body. Mm-hmm. The thyroid globulin binds up the thyroid. So then you don't have a good, robust amount of thyroid. And so that's one mechanism. And then the other thing is if you have enough progesterone, like normally and normally functioning women who have a good cycle, progesterone actually reduces thyroid binding globulin and increases thyroid action in the body. And that's like at the genetic level. So that's what progesterone does. So progesterone has a very positive effect on the thyroid. So you can kind of imagine there you are, there you are in perimenopause and you feel like crap because your estrogen is so high and your progesterone is so low. And now your thyroid starts to go too. So you have lower thyroid function, your hair starts falling out too, and you're just ready to just go to bed for the whole day. Mm -hmm. And so when you give somebody progesterone in this in this scenario, it can actually improve thyroid function by stopping it from being so bound and then increasing its action. Sort of, there, there's a couple studies. I was looking at a study about how progesterone helps thyroid. And it's really, I didn't totally understand the whole, I'd have to really do a deep dive in it, but it looked like it was more sort of genetic. It helps the release of thyroid hormone from the thyroid and it also helps its action too. So that's what what I found. And you can see that all the time. You see people who just, their thyroid looks so much better when you give them some progesterone. Oh yeah. And it also helps with T4 to T3 conversion, which I often forget the progesterone component because I go through the whole list of what raises reverse T3. Okay. High insulin and estrogen dominance. And well, usually in the case of estrogen dominance, there's low progesterone. So that can be the the sister component to that. Like we can say low progesterone also increases reverse T3, or at least impairs that conversion of T4 to T3. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like a, a what's a triple hitter, you know? Yep. That's why people have to come and see us because we know what's going on. <laughs> and so many don't. I mean, you and I see this all the time with these, and I've I've bitched about it on this podcast before. There are boatloads of functional, integrative, dot, 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 whatever term they want to use to promote themselves and market to the public who don't have a clue about thyroid and hormones, like no clue. Yeah. And the thing that you always see, I know you said this too, because I listen to your podcasts, but you know, the, the normal range for thyroid, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Or I just pull your TSH or whatever. And, um, you know, you really do see, you know, people come and come to, to us, people like us, and they feel so much better on thyroid meds because it does so much. I mean, not to mention that if your thyroid's not working, you're not detoxing estrogen either. So you now you have that whole problem too. And then you're not, there's more to it too. So you, if you don't have enough thyroid hormone, you don't make enough stomach acid. If you don't make enough stomach acid, then you end up with gut dysbiosis. And then you can create a whole scenario in your gut where you recycle estrogen because of something called beta-glucuronidase. So that's a whole thing. There's all these connections involved. And, and for me, I always say to my, my patients, when they come see me, if we can get your thyroid fixed first, mm-hmm. that's going to help with everything else. That's like the biggest linchpin of all of this. And I'm sure you'd agree with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing that we see is people coming to us where maybe they're working with someone who says, well, I'll treat your thyroid, but I won't treat your hormones or these hormone pop-up clinics that go, well, I'll, I'll throw you some hormones, just the same ones over and over without really even measuring you. But I, oh, we don't treat thyroid. Just everything that you said proves they have to be looked out together. They do. Yeah. yeah. So if yeah. your doctor is not looking, if it, your practitioner is not looking at both thyroid and hormones, and they don't know this like the back of their hand, you got to just run. It's time to get a new doctor because you will be in this cycle of, 
well, I'm taking all these thyroid hormones and I'm just not getting better. Well, you're on progesterone? No. All right. Is anyone addressing your low testosterone? No. Is anyone addressing your estrogen dominance or low estrogen? No. So it, it just makes sense. You have to do it all together. You do. And you have to also look at the gut too. That's also really important as well. Yep. So you cannot fix the gut or some of these issues with the gut where you have estrogen detox symptoms if you don't treat the thyroid because you then can't digest well if your thyroid's not optimized. So yeah. So many layers. So many layers. Yeah. So with progesterone... I'm not sure. I'm, I'm trying to decide which which path to go down because I have so many questions for you. So with progesterone, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite delivery method? So we know that there's oral, there's topical. I don't even know if there's are people still using trochies or or, or sticking the pellets in for progesterone nowadays. Like, what's your favorite delivery method? Well, usually don't do pellets with the yeah. progesterone, but you can do trochies for progesterone. And that's kind of nice because some of it gets absorbed in your mouth, like through your skin tissue. It's almost like you get both the, you get both the oral progesterone and some of the transdermal, but through your mucosal tissue, but I don't normally do it like that. So, you know, that I do the rhythmic dosing Yep. And rhythmic dosing um, was pioneered by T.S. Wiley. So if anybody's really interested in learning more, you should read her books called Sex, Lies and Menopause, an amazing, amazing book. And also there's an organization called the Women's Hormone Network, and that's um, womenshormonenetwork. I think it's .com. Anyway, the two of them, they, they've they got, I like that delivery method and it's all transdermal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of controversy around what the best delivery method is, to be honest. But the way I do it is I do rhythmic dosing with uh, transdermal estrogen and progesterone. And sometimes I'll rhythmically dose progesterone oral with it. If somebody's not absorbing the progesterone or their endometrial lining is getting too thick because it's not working so well transdermally, but generally I do it transdermally and then I'll do static dosing. And usually women do that because they don't want to bleed or they just don't want to spend the money on compounded creams. So I do that. I'll do a patch and a pill. And that's generally the the two methods that I that I like to use. And of course, I have a preference for the rhythmic because that's on what I'm on. And most women feel, I mean, everybody's different, but I've had some women who are doing static and they change to rhythmic and they just feel so much better. And we can talk about that when you're ready. I'm not sure if that's part of the question. Yeah, no, we can definitely move into the rhythmic. And so I want to I want to put a disclaimer here. You have to work with someone who is trained in rhythmic dosing. Yes. Period. (laughs) Way to do that would be the two places to go to find someone trained would be to go, you can go to the wileyprotocol.com. They have a list of providers there and the womenshormonenetwork.com. They do something called physiologic restoration. There's a list of providers there too. And um, I'm a provider on both of those. So Yes, but you do have to work with someone who knows what they're doing. And most, and those two methods or those two places that I just mentioned, they all have pharmacies that specifically specialize in making these compounds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So rhythmic dosing is what compared to static dosing? Let's just start with the, the basics. All right. Well, I'll start with static because that's really easy to explain. So static is, it's the same amount of estrogen and progesterone delivered every day, you know, throughout your cycle. There's no change. Mm-hmm. So usually a patch would maybe a 0.05 patch and 200 milligrams of progesterone taken every single day. And that's it. That's so easy, right? That's all it is. Now, rhythmic dosing is matching your own cycle. So it's a peak dose of, so you only use estrogen, you use estrogen the whole time, all 28 days of a cycle. and on so and then on day 12 is the highest dose of estrogen which is what it would be normally now let me just give you an example of the doses of what you're looking for so if you're doing dosing of static really the highest level of estradiol is going to be maybe 50 60 70 pg per ml I think that's the right measurement sorry if i'm wrong if you're doing rhythmic dosing, you're looking at your estradiol level being between 300 and 500. It's like hugely different. 
but it's rhythmic. So it's not the whole time. So on day, so the rhythmic dosing on day 12, estradiol is at its highest. And then on day 21, progesterone's at its highest. And so you you all kind of picture your cycle, right? So estrogen, you you ovulate, ovulate estrogen, estrogen peaks right around ovulation. The corpus luteum is formed, progesterone is then released. And then on day 21, you have the highest dose of progesterone and then it falls down just like it would do. So this is all mimicking that normal cycle. And then you bleed on the rhythmic dosing cycle. Mm -hmm. And so every month you bleed, if you have a uterus, not everybody has a uterus by the time they reach perimenopause, menopause. And so every month you go through the cycle like that and static dosing, you shouldn't bleed. And if you do, you should get an ultrasound to see what's going on because mm-hmm. you don't want to have bleeding. At, you don't, it's not intended to make you bleed. It could be that you have an imbalance or something's going on in your uterus that needs attention. Maybe you have a fibroid, you know, all those things. So those are the two different ways that I dose hormones. Okay. And with the with the static dosing. Is it natural? Is it normal to have a little bit of spotting? And then when do we actually send, when do you actually send someone for a vaginal ultrasound to check that lining? Is it after maybe they have a full cycle and then it's like, uh oh, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to be happening? Well, if anybody spots on static dosing, I always send them for an ultrasound to check because the standard of care is to do so because you're worried about uterine, you're worried about endometrial cancer. So you always want to check. So, yes. you know, when you're doing the rhythmic dosing, you're in, it's intended to make you bleed. Right. And so you want to make sure now I would do an ultrasound if someone's not bleeding like they should be, or if they're bleeding way too much or way too little or spotting at the wrong time. Like I have a very low bar for checking. Okay. So it's good you cannot always tell, you cannot tell what's really going on in the endometrial lining and you, unless you take a look at it. Right. And you, you're always worried about endometrial cancer. So you always want to make sure from a provider point of view, I need to protect myself. And, but I also want to make sure people are safe yep. and it's always good to get as much information as you can, because if the lining's too thick on static dosing, you know then that you have to adjust your dosing and they need more progesterone to block the estrogen. Mm-hmm. So it's always good information. Okay. And then, yeah, same thing. Like I mentioned, I am doing rhythmic dosing per Suzanne and I still have not bled yet. So I do have to get get my butt to get an ultrasound, you know, just find the time, carve it out, do it. Because we want to know what's going on. Now, in general, I will say from an anecdotal standpoint, I feel great. So even though I am, I guess, technically in menopause, I'm using air quotes here because it's been a year without a cycle. I have, and I was just having this conversation with a couple of patients recently. I have no symptoms. I I started hormones prior to actually entering menopause. I didn't have any real strong perimenopausal symptoms. And because I've been on hormones forever, at least testosterone and progesterone, and we just started introducing the estradiol when I started doing the rhythmic dosing. And honestly, I mean, no symptoms whatsoever. I don't have hot flashes, no dry vagina. I didn't gain weight. I mean, really, I I wouldn't even know I was there in menopause if I didn't just not have a cycle for a year. You know, the other thing too, is when you have high FSH, so a follicular stimulating hormone is, goes really high in menopause, mm-hmm. it's an inflammatory state and it creates insulin resistance in and of itself. So when you're doing the static dosing, dosing, where it's just, you know, the same thing, the dose is pretty low, your FSH is probably going to be around 50, 40 and when you're doing the rhythmic hormone dosing, your FSH is going to be in the physiologic range. So that's usually, I think it's like up to 16 when mid-cycle. And then on day 21, when I do the other test, usually it's around 11 or so. So you can just see that you're really making it so your body is saying, oh, wow, you know, we're in, we're, we're, we're good to go, right? Your body then thinks that, I mean, that's kind of, it's funny, right? Because you're older, but, you know, we're all just from a philosophical point of view, when you think about 
you know, animals in the wild, once they can't reproduce anymore, they're, they get sick, they die, they're done, you know, like mm-hmm. there's no point for them to have their life. So if you're, if you're without hormones, that's the kind of state you're in, you know, yep. you're sick, you're in an inflammatory state, um, things start to not do so well. So if you're able to fully, you know, fully change or fully go back to what you were in your twenties and thirties and make it to that rhythmic dosing, it has enormous benefits to you. I mean, for you ladies out there that are doing static, that's also really great too. Something is good. You know, like there's many can't do rhythmic dosing. I've had some women who do rhythmic with me and we just can't get it to work and they're on static and that's totally fine too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so good for our health to be on some kind of hormone. Yeah. 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 Any, any, and I'm glad you said that because you're so right. It's I I don't care what method you, you choose. It's like, just let's get you on hormones because those hormones are giving you life and protecting you from the diseases of aging. And I just recently did a podcast and interview with Cynthia Thurlow. And she said something in the interview that, that landed as the title menopause is really, it's, it's a state of disease. Yeah. You know, it's just a disease state. So all of those, just like you said, animals kind of shrivel up and die when, when you lose hormones, when you can't reproduce anymore and we have a little bit more life in us. So it's not time to shrivel up and die just because you can't have a baby. This is the time to really live your best life, but you're only going to do that with the help of hormones. And if you think about it, you know, all of us women, we work so hard and we have kids, we work, we have jobs, we're all working so hard. Many of us are perfectionists. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get into menopause and you're, you get to make choices then. Do I want to work this hard? I mean, you could retire maybe if you have the money to do so. My kids are out of the house. So why not feel the best you possibly can Mm -hmm. go traveling places, but you know, feel great. So there's this one woman, I just forget her name, but she was talking at one of those A4M conferences. And she's like, you know, I went on a cruise and, and my husband and I are both on hormones. We looked around and we're like, these people, they're so old. And then, yes. they were like, oh, oh, we're, <laughs> it's because they're not on hormones and we are. So it's kind of funny to think about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, actually it, it, it's funny that you say that because my husband said the same thing. He was looking around. He's like, oh my God. Like when you sit somewhere in public, go to Walmart, go to a restaurant, go to amusement, whatever, where there's a large amount of people and just look around. And when you spot people your age, are you sitting there thinking, wow, they, I know they're my age, but man, they look so much older. Exactly. That that's exactly it. It's it, if you're on hormones, you are going to start noticing that all your friends and everybody else you know looks way older. Go to a go to a class reunion too. Damn, I mean, after you've been on hormones for a while, you're like the rock star of the reunion, and everybody else is looking old. I know my um best friend. I started her on the rhythmic protocol, and she's like, my hair. Wow, I'm, I look so much better, and my face, like, oh, my skin is glowing, and people are like, what have you done? Did you get a new face cream? <laughs> She's like, feels embarrassed to say, well, I just started hormones because you don't really want to reveal that to some people. And she's like, no, I'm just happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Feels, yeah. So. so good. Now on a little bit more on, on the rhythmic dosing end of things, the naysayers of rhythmic just seem to think that, and maybe you can speak to more of what the naysayers say, but, but what I hear is, oh, you, you can't be doing that much estrogen. You can't take that much estradiol. And then they'll even, even the proponents of hormones, like, you know, I love Dr. Lindsay Berkson. I love her to death, but she does not like rhythmic dosing. She only likes the static dosing. So what is it about the rhythmic? I mean, I don't see that there's any reason to panic over mimicking the body's natural cycle, but what do you hear on your end from the practitioners that poo-poo rhythmic? Well, I so I what I hear is there's no reason for a woman to bleed. And that is one of the things that panics most doctors because mm-hmm. doctors like if, you know, the 
you're not supposed to be bleeding after menopause. And if you are bleeding, then you must have endometrial cancer. So that's sort of stuck in their mind. So what I generally will, and you know, even if my patients go for an ultrasound and they disclose that they're on this protocol, I've had doctors absolutely flip out on their patients and say, you cannot do that. That's too much. You're going to get cancer. You know, that's always the the concern. So right. that is the reason why most people don't like rhythmic. Now, I think the other thing is that they've gotten people who are on rhythmic dosing that didn't do well. And maybe the practitioners that were managing it didn't know how to do it. And so you get these women that women that'll go to other practitioners who only do static and they'll say, oh my goodness, look what, look what's happened. Oh, yet another one. Right. Mm -hmm. So somewhat confirmation bias. So I think that's the main thing. I think the biggest sticking point for people is this idea that they're bleeding. And then the other thing you probably heard, this is a lot of doctors don't like anyone who's on a compounded formula because it's not regulated, you know, it's not approved by the FDA. Mm-hmm. So there's about that, but yeah, I mean, that's really the major thing. And, and women, I have to always say, you have to be able to stand up for yourself when you go to your doctor and say, I'm bleeding or, or I, I find people that I find doctors that are supportive and I try to refer there, yep. but there's a lot of confusion around, among, you know, just regular MDs that are not trained in hormone therapy about what, what this is. And, um, usually there's a bit, sometimes there can be just, you know, people being totally terrified by the bleeding. Yeah. 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 Wow. This has been so good. This is, this is exactly the talk that I, I wanted to have surrounding progesterone and tying in the rhythmic dosing. Is there anything I missed? Anything I missed that you wanted to talk about? I think the only other thing I wanted to mention, just sort of following on our last little conversation there was the thing with static dosing is that you're, so there's this interplay between estrogen and progesterone. So estrogen creates progesterone receptors. And so the receptors are kind of alive and well in that process. So you've created estrogen receptors in in the, the peak dose of, of estrogen on day 12 creates progesterone receptors and then progesterone comes in and fits into those receptors. So when you're static dosing, there isn't that interplay of estrogen and progesterone sort of receptors. And there is, and you can you can see this, it's it's in Wiley's book and also on the Women's Hormone Network book, just about genetics. There's something called the P53 gene, mm-hmm. which is in, is in all of our cells and it helps to repair DNA damage, you know, cause that's, what's the beginning of cancer. And so when you have a peak dose of estrogen on day 12 and a peak dose of progesterone on day 21, it turns, it helps upregulate this P53 receptor and it preserves sort of genomic integrity and in DNA. And, and this is upregulated up anyway when there's cell damage, but when you have this interplay of, of estrogen and progesterone, it actually is anti-cancer promoting, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are super stressed, for example, their P53 is dysregulated, and that's why you see a lot of stress-related cancers and things like that. But it's it's really, really fascinating. There's so much we don't know about hormones at this point because, you know, pharmaceutical companies run most of the studies. So you're not going to have lots of studies on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. No. And it's a shame. And I, I sometimes wonder too, if maybe women get the shaft a bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> like looking at, you know, what works for us, you know, I mean, I know the FDA is looking to shut down compounding farm, you know, compounding. So we all have to sort of be very good advocates of ourselves in this scenario and not let that happen. We do. Um, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's, it, I encourage everybody to do your own research, figure out what you're most comfortable with, you know, read some, read books, like read Sex, Lies and Menopause, amazing book. She just has a book called Lights Out, which is also really good. Mm-hmm. Look at the Women's Hormone Network. Estrogen Matters is another book, which talks about the importance of estrogen, you know, just make sure that you feel confident in your choice of what's right for you and your body. 
you know, and then find somebody that you feel comfortable with who will work with you, listen to you and really make you feel your best. I mean, those are really important, but I can't stress enough the importance of just educating yourself. Yep. Cause you are your best advocate. You will always be your best advocate because you know your body. So yeah, love it. Love it. Suzanne, thank you so much for your time today and your knowledge. I, I've, I, like I said, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. We finally had it. This is fantastic. Women need to know the importance of hormones, the importance of progesterone, how it can help them with their thyroid, their weight, their mood, their, their whole body protection as they age. So one last question, because it just popped into my head as I was saying this, you can take progesterone on its own. You could take progesterone in your 20s and just progesterone. You can take just progesterone as you age as well, but you can't take estrogen without progesterone, correct? Well, I would not recommend it, but there are some doctors who give women estrogen only when they have no uterus. And I don't think that's, I mean, that's not a great idea because the estrogen and progesterone work in synergy on all parts of the body. So heart health, brain health, they need the combination of the two to protect you. So yes, the only thing is that you don't want to take progesterone so that it's too much. So over and above what your estrogen is, because it can in itself cause um, anxiety, uh, elevated heart rate. You know, some people feel can feel panicky if their progesterone is too high. It can also create um, problems with blood sugar. So you always want to make sure your estrogen and progesterone are balanced. So in answer to your question, somebody's going to take progesterone on their you know, on its own, they want to make sure there's enough estrogen there because there's that whole issue of having enough receptors for progesterone. Otherwise, then you'll have the bad effects of progesterone and you certainly don't want that. Right. Okay. So see, yeah, I lied. I wasn't really wrapping it up. I had one more, one more question that popped into my head. So thank you for answering that too. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. So for all people that want to know about you and maybe they're in the, where, where do you practice Massachusetts and New Hampshire? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in that area, you can reach out to Suzanne. Are you taking new patients or are you just fully booked? I I'm still taking new patients. I'm at um, my website is Suzanne mm -hmm. Don't forget how nice I am. So it's E L K I N D. So E L and kind is if I'm very nice and Suzanne is my first name. And you can look on my website and look at all that. But if you're interested in the rhythmic dosing and I can't see you, then you want to go to the Wiley website or you want to go to the Women's Hormone Network website. And those are the two places I would recommend. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for your time today. This is going to be, this is going to be great for all the listeners. Oh, well, it's such a pleasure always, Amy, to talk to you and work with you. You're such a blast. <laughs> All yeah. right, guys. All Have right. a great day. Thank you.